Welcome, friend. We all know across America about the heinous death of George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Many people around the world know about this incident. And of course, it sparked protesting and it underscored again in uh, some cases the legitimate need for police reform. The officer was fired and charged with murder appropriately. Even people around the world, though, have engaged in protesting. Authentic, peaceable protest, it appears, in many cases have been overtaken by outside elements, radical movements, pushing it into rioting and vandalism and theft and even violence. Today's guests are a beautiful African-American couple, Willie and Rachel Scott of Team Kingdom Impact. We're joined along with JCL Falto of the Writer's Lens podcast and also the Narrative Wars podcast. In this episode, you may hear a different viewpoint from Willie and Rachel Scott about what's happening in America right now. They highlight the need for the transformation of the individual heart, how there's a need for a new lens through which to see and interpret these events. We discuss the Society of Jesus, really a society within a society. Jesus told his followers that you are a city set high upon a hill. It's unavoidable. It's visible. And we can demonstrate what it means to live together from a kingdom value system. Uh, We focus on how we can become intimate with Father God. And and really, they raise the uh, priority of focusing on the Father's business and not falling into the agendas of man. We can bring something of heaven into these contexts of crisis. We also have a bonus audio snippet today, very short, nearly 200 proof, if you know what I mean, Mario Murillo, a seasoned frontline evangelist and cultural commentator. Well, we're glad you're with us today. I hope you enjoy this. I think it's going to be stimulating for you and challenging, and we encourage you to begin thinking about who you can share this with. Here's my conversation with Willie and Rachel Scott and JCL Falto. Hey there, welcome to the Jesus Smart Podcast. I'm really excited today to have a roundtable discussion with some some kingdom friends. I call them kingdom agents as well. These are movers and shakers, voices that are emerging, and we are going to be talking about the grotesque murder of George Floyd and the riots and the protesting that it sparked and how it just refueled a national conversation that's been underway in this country for some time about about race relations. We have Willie and Rachel Scott with us. Welcome, Willie and Rachel. We really appreciate you. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for having us, Brian. Oh, it's a it's a it's a it's a privilege on this end. And uh, Willie and Rachel are um, lead Team Kingdom Impact, which is a organization that supports individuals, families, and companies that desire to use their their gifts and talents for the kingdom of God. 
and fulfill the Great Commission. Within their sphere of influence, Josh, J.C.L. Felto is here. What do you think about that, Josh? Within their sphere of influence. I like that phrase. <laughs> I like it too, Brian. Yeah. Thanks. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll introduce um, Josh in just a moment. But Rachel's a wife. She's a mom, a speaker, author. She's the CEO of Team Kingdom Impact, a graduate of Kansas State University, also the University of Maryland, bachelor's in science and sociology, and a master's in MBA in business administration. And she's also the founder of I Can't Come Down and co-founder of Better Than Blended with her husband, Willie, and several other growing businesses with her husband as well, for goodness sake. (laughs) And Willie is a husband, a father, an author, a speaker, a mentor, award-winning community advocate. He's the chairman of the board for Team Kingdom Impact. Also, TKI Design and Printing, right, and Publishing. And uh, he's the co-founder with his wife of Better Than Blended national and internationally known organization, passion for encouraging men and seeing them lead well in their marriages, their families, and their communities. Uh, give us the skinny on better than blended, uh, Willie and Rachel. What's in a sentence or two? What's what's the work that you do there? When you said sentence or two, Brian, that knocked me out of the box. So I'm going to let Rachel say Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, we just provide resources, support, and community for blended families. We Our goal is to see blended families thrive. Being a blended family can be extremely challenging because there's so many external dynamics to it. And we want to help those families know how to create unity within their home. Yeah, that's excellent. Such a need in our society today, uh, betterthanblended.com. And Rachel is also also the proprietor of rachelgscott.com, author, speaker, brand, and business consultant. And that's something that's fairly new, right, Rachel? Yes, it is fairly new. It's just one of those things that God placed in my back pocket and told me to release it now. So I'm being obedient. (laughs) Okay. And, you know, Josh and I have been talking and we just think you guys need to step your game up, right? Become a little more active. (laughs) And, you know, we don't want to be lazy for the Lord. Right. Absolutely not. (laughs) Right. Speaking of laziness, let's let me introduce Joshua JCL Falto. <laughs> Woo! No, Josh isn't isn't lazy. He has a day job, but he also he, he's also an emerging voice. Um, all the other time that he has with his with his wife and his family as well. But JCL Falto F A L T O T dot com is is the main website. He has two podcasts: the Writer's Lens podcast, which helps writers to see through the lens of a writer, right? The new one is the Narrative Wars podcast. What's what's the uh, what's the shorthand on the Narrative Wars podcast, Josh? The Narrative Wars is really about championing the messages that are all out there and talking about them, all the different narratives that are being flung at us daily. Uh, I guess it's no secret that there's a lot of static out there that can send us one way or another. Um, so it's a lot about worldview. It's a lot about talking through worldview uh, from different perspectives and yeah, just trying to cut through it to find the truth. Josh is a penetrating thinker. Uh, He's very concerned about culture, society, theology, a lot of issues like that. We have a lot of dialogue uh, along with Willie and um, a few others as well. So there's a lot of ideation going on. If we were to ever to execute on like 3% of the ideas that come up, (laughs) this wouldn't even be going on in our country right now. I just want to say that. (laughs) I don't know. Okay, um, friends, talk to me about George Floyd. Um, Willie and Rachel, what were your first thoughts when that story broke in the news and then the protests that began to emerge? Um, I mean, for me, it was very disappointing from the perspective of, you know, this is something that's been going on for some time. 
but the way that this happened brought a different light to it. So the perspective of um, just the not breathing component, the way that it was done, how it was done was, I think that's why there's so much greater attention drawn to it um, than, than other situations. Of course, there's always other things to take into consideration, but the way that it was done created the rise that has come out of it. And um, that was the part that was more disappointing to me than, than anything else. I can understand the need to address things, you know, a, a stop or a traffic or anything like that. I mean, those things have to be addressed. That's what the, the police are there for. And I don't want to make it seem like they don't have value because I, I absolutely do believe they do. But I think that the rise came from this one because of how how it was done, specifically how it was done. But I also 100% know that the enemy had his hand in, in, in this situation. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with that. <clears throat> the word I the word I came up with, or I just heard when I even when I thought about it, it's just disturbing. Like the the actual imagery and the video um, itself was disturbing. It just I don't know. It just it just didn't. Of course, it it wasn't right, so it didn't feel right. But it was. Uh, I, I couldn't sleep. I made the mistake of watching it like at nighttime because wow. I happened to see it. Yeah. So I watched it right before I laid down, and I literally just had to pray. Um, just for God to give me peace, because that's what it actually felt like it was doing. It felt like it was still in my peace uh, as I tried to lay down and go to sleep that night. Uh, so I prayed through it. I prayed for the family. But that is something that, I, I mean, I definitely wish that it didn't happen, uh, that, it, that it didn't happen, it didn't occur. But it's something that uh, shouldn't have occurred uh, just because of we can get it. I know we'll get into this talking about just humanity and compassion. Like there, there, didn't, there didn't appear to be any compassion um, when they were dealing with him and how they were handling him at some point, compassion should have kicked in and say, let me check on the person. Cause he, he's not responsive at this point. Absolutely. It was a heinous optics and a heinous death and a murder. Would you say, uh, Willie and Rachel, that there is a, um, sort of an undercurrent within the African American community, sort of a latent pressure that's there that these events can, can cause to erupt, we still have further work to do as a nation. I definitely would say yes to that. I mean, I would say there's work to do as a nation. I also say there's work to do individually. Right. Um, Inside, like, go ahead. Inside of ourselves, there's work that we need to do. Yeah. So that's what I was going to say, like within our culture, within the cultures around us. um, But definitely Mm -hmm. there's, 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 there's awareness that needs to take place, but not just on one end. Um, There's awareness that needs to take place overall that can allow us to really see the change that needs to take place and and make that change realistic. I think as a body of Christ, there's, there's a change and a shift that needs to happen too. And when, and when I say individually, I'm really speaking individually as believers. Now there's non-believers out there. They, they may feel different or they may um, not necessarily fall into the category of what I'm, what I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to, believers that there has to be a shift within us um, that that shifts the lens that we see things through. And there has to be a desire to see things through a different lens, not necessarily through a lens of ethnicity or of color or anything like that. Even though color is important, um, we're all made different uh, for a reason because God mm-hmm. is a creator and that's what he does and he loves it. But we also need to see things through 
a different lens and through his lens, through his filter versus, uh, and it's hard to do sometimes because we've experienced so many different things or we've been taught so many different things or we've uh, heard so many different things or we think we know so many different things. So all those different lenses, as you, even when you go to the eye doctor, you, it, is it one or is it two? Is it three or is it four? And you have to pick, oh yeah, it looked better through that lens. So that's what we need to be praying. We need to ask God to be our, our eye doctor and he and let him do one, two, three, four, so we can see better and see more clearly from his view, not from a perspective that's kind of skewed um, by the things that we've been through. I was going to say, I, I really feel like what happened with um, George Floyd allowed for us to have room for some difficult conversations yeah. um, for uh, just the cultures overall. So even for myself, I have been bringing awareness not to just the heart of one, not to just the heart of, of, of white people in America, but to black people in America as well. I think that this conversation, um, it can be a very uncomfortable conversation overall to see where is our heart at as a whole? Where is our heart for forgiveness at? Where is our heart for um the heart of God, like what is he speaking into this moment and not just going forth? Because when I, when I see situations like that, I don't say, okay, a, a white cop that did this to a black person means that all white people do this. And just the same as I don't expect, um, a white, uh, a white person to say, okay, a white person, a black person that wears a hoodie means that all black people are thugs like that concept. And we don't realize that sometimes we adapt those mindsets or, and we begin to operate in that way, not wanting to, but some, some fear entered in there somewhere or somehow. So I'm able to look and say, okay, there's something with that person in particular. And then in the body of Christ, I still take off another layer and say, what does it need to look like for us to, to be in the world, but not of the world? Yeah, let's just talk about that, Josh. What do you think, Josh, about the phrase, the society of Jesus, like a society within a society that is light and salt? And Jesus called us a city on a hill, right? Mm. He said, we're yeah. a city on a hill to be seen. It's, it's, it, it can't be missed. It's elevated. What about that? How should we be different as, as the society of Jesus? Well, I mean, I just, I just think about um, what, what it was like for me when I was just sort of baptized in the Spirit. I was brought into the body of Christ as a whole. Um, a lot of boundaries came down, you know, yeah. a lot of things opened up across, you know, cultural understandings. You know, a, a lot of what I was told, especially, was around this idea of the spirit of truth and wisdom, um, which if we're only relying on ourselves for those things, then it's very easy to get persuaded to something. And, and then you kind of miss the boat on being compassionate. You miss the boat on being empathetic towards someone, which these are qualities as a Christ follower. You know, you are to adapt these things. They're going to become part of your new nature. Whereas if I'm only operating in the flesh, as we would say, I'm going to be drawn to something that could be self-serving, you know, that could ultimately be very selfish for me or for, you know, maybe a, a community that I feel very strongly about, but, but then I should still be seeing everyone the same way. Uh, so uh, we need to be set apart as a group, as a body that is going to approach these situations compassionately, but also to speak truth compassionately that yes, all these different things add up and matter, but but we can't have just this notion of only one side matters and the other doesn't, you know? Right. So, uh, you know, for me, that's been the biggest thing for me as a believer 
Uh, because that's why I do the, the podcast, The Narrative Wars, because if I wasn't a believer and I was reading headlines every day, very easily I could find myself navigating right. into, yep. you know, into a bias trap. You know, like oh, I could eventually sure. land somewhere <laughs> and now I'm I'm sort of hooked with this part of this like group. And, right. uh, you know, yep. I have to be ingrained in this group now and I can't leave it and I've got to defend it to the end. Uh, and. You know, I, you know, some Christians do that, you know, and they, they get in there, but, uh, but, you know, ultimately for us, you know, we are just, you know, we're called to, to love those people and we're called to love anybody across that whole spectrum. So, so yeah, I mean, the, the narratives can be very, very powerful and we are to be, we are called to be different than that though. We are called to be different than that. Yeah. We're really called to be majoring on a bigger narrative than the narratives of this world, right? Mm. And it sort of really takes a, a skill and an art to watch enough news <laughs> to be informed as a citizen, but yet not be shaped by agendas or the worldviews of others or commentators or talking heads or, mm. you know, whatever, right. whatever it may be. Let me read this scripture from 2 Corinthians 5, if I could, and I'm, I'd love to get your, com- your, your, your comments on it, Willie and Rachel and, and Josh. Paul says something very interesting in verses 16 and 17. We're quite familiar with verse 17, which says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. You know, the old things are passed away, and behold, new things have come. That's verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 5. But the verse just immediately before it, verse 16, Paul says, therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, meaning when he was here, right, in his body. Yet now we know him in this way no longer. That's verse 16. So Paul seems to be saying that if we'll develop in Christ and get our minds renewed and really get on the wavelength that God has for us, that we will not recognize each other according to the flesh, like in terms of ethnic separation or, you know, racism or exclusivism or even nationality, um, we've known Christ that way when he was here, yet yet we know him in this way no longer. Uh, what do you think, Willie, about about Paul's Paul's statement in verse sixteen? I think I mean I think that's a really good point. Um, I, as far as what you're building on there, I also <clears throat> just even as you were speaking, I literally and as Josh was speaking too, we talk about narrative wars when he had mentioned uh, watching the news and how. Um, you can easily get drawn into something that somebody shows on the news, like just depending on where you stand, or you can easily be swayed and be angry at something that's portrayed on the news based on where you, where you stand. Uh, but I, I, I take that as what Paul said too, to mean that we have to know we don't see each other in the flesh because at the end of the day, in order for us to actually come into alignment um, our spirits have to align with one another. So if Josh is, um, of course, Josh is awesome. JCL Fountain, awesome. So if Josh <laughs> is aligned, of course, with the Lord, and I'm aligned, and our spirits recognize that if he's mm-hmm. if he's doing something or speaking on something, and um, and I'm called to that assignment as well, then then I'm then I'm a you know I'm a either join him or I'm gonna be able to speak to that thing. Uh, but if somebody else is showing me something that doesn't fit right with my spirit, then I need to be like, okay, yeah, I don't, I don't, I need to either speak against it if I'm called to speak against it, that's my assignment, or I could, I don't have to be swayed by it. I don't have to join in, come into, uh, you know, into agreement with it because of the fact that, and I think that's what happens 
so often is either based on where you stand or who you are, or what you look like, that you're you're expected to come into agreement with certain ideology or certain uh, thought processes uh. um, or certain phrases. And if you speak against those things because of where you how you look and where you're supposed to be standing, okay. then then you're look you're frowned upon. You're frowned upon because you're you're not coming into alignment. But if my spirit doesn't fit well with that, then I'm not going to come into alignment with it. And I think that's what Paul is saying. Mm-hmm. I don't see Rachel by the flesh. I don't see Josh by the flesh, even though they, we have flesh. But I actually I actually need to come into alignment with them in the spirit. We'll come right back to the conversation with Willie and Rachel Scott and J.C.L. Falto in just a few minutes. Mario Murillo is a seasoned evangelist, author, speaker, and cultural commentator. He became famous some decades ago for his ministry on the radicalized campus of Berkeley in Berkeley, California. He is going to highlight here what he sees as an orphan, fatherless spirit being the source of radical political movements, and he's going to take college professors to task. There is an orphan spirit that makes you join Antifa. You are honoring Margaret Sanger, who founded Planned Parenthood. You're not looking at her racist eugenics and the war she declared on minorities and how her entire uh, basis for abortion was to liquidate society of a certain undesirable race. And the fact is, we don't have a movement in America, in Seattle, in the six blocks that have been dominated by folks that have had just a little too much Starbucks for their own good. We don't have a war for justice. If we did, then the the area that you are uh, sequestering wouldn't be a hotbed of crime at night. That's right. It wouldn't be defaced. And the people that own businesses in that neighborhood wouldn't be afraid to conduct business or be hearing threats from you. So this is a, this is a punk movement. It's an insincere movement. Mm-hmm. And the tragedy is it goes back to the lack of a father spirit in America. That's right. Because let me right. tell you who the surrogate fathers are, Robbie. The villains to our youth who, according to Proverbs, are pure in their own eyes, but not washed from their filthiness. That's right. You're replacing one kind of racism with another kind of racism. You want to cancel free speech in the name of equality? That is a monstrous contradiction. Yes, it is. And how were you able, who gave you, my friend, and I want to speak to the youth for a moment. Who gave you, as a father, who gave you the mental ability to have two opposing views live in the same cranium? To believe you're for justice, to believe that you think certain lives matter. When you identify an outrageous murder, and forget all of the murders that happen every week in Chicago and the thousands of lives that don't count when they don't fit your narrative. Mm-hmm. Who taught you how to think that way? And I'll tell you who they are. The demented, deranged, God-hating, America-hating, and Israel-hating college university professors mm-hmm. who for a grade intimidated you to think like them. 
That's right. They took your individual power to rationally take a thought to its logical conclusion. They mm. told you to believe in socialism, which has never worked. Never. Socialism is like a screen door on a submarine. Socialism is like trying to sell hearing aids over the phone. It doesn't work. It has never worked. Yet they won't let you read that history. Then they'll vilify. They'll tell you America is an evil nation. So this isn't about equality. This rioting, looting, burning is about something else. It's about a fatherless generation. The love of your family. You lost the sense of decency. You lost your moral compass because some professor who's a punk, and I'll challenge him right now. Why don't you pick on somebody your own size? I don't <laughs> need to pass your class. I don't need to get a grade from you. But I'm challenging you right now. So, you are lying and bending and poisoning minds and taking an amazing history and, and redacting it through a filter of absolute lies. I think it's important, my friend, to understand the difference between taking a clear-eyed look at American history as it progresses and redacting American history to fit another agenda, other narratives, American-hating narratives. So what do you think about Mario Murillo and his underscoring the importance of fathers and the family? We would appreciate your comments on any podcast app that you're listening to, or come right to jesusmart.com and leave your comments on the show notes page for this episode. Let's get right back to today's conversation with Willie and Rachel Scott and JCL Falto. I was thinking about C.S. Lewis in, in the screw tape letters, how he talks about having a cause and how mm -hmm. the enemy will try to really distort us as Christians and what our focus on Christ should be by giving us a right. cause. It could be a political cause. It could be a personal cause, mm. but it's almost like a tool that can be used to, to shift mm. our focus. Yeah. And when I was thinking about what you were just saying, Brian, I think about that Jesus followed the Jewish customs. He did the things um, that he was, that every, that others were doing mm -hmm. to a degree because he also said that I'm about my father's business. So when it really came down to, are you going to do this or are you going to, where are you at? What are you doing? He was, he made it very clear that his number one and most important assignment was being about his father's business. Right. And something that I have found is that sometimes that's not acceptable. Honestly, sometimes me being about my father's business as um, a black woman can create some tension in my own culture. If it is not necessarily in line with mm -hmm. what others feel like I should be about and knowing what I've been called to knowing that I've been called to love. So yes, what happened with George Floyd is, I mean, that breaks my heart. It, it, it absolutely does. But what is God speaking into that moment? That's what I'm supposed to be speaking to. What is he trying to say? What is the enemy trying to do that I need to be aware of right. so that I can speak against that so that I could pray right. against that? Because it's, uh, it, it's a tool either way, you know, it's a tool. And what, which part, which tool am I going to use? Am I going to use a tool of the kingdom of God that's that he's given me, or am I going to choose to use a tool the enemy wants me to play into? I have to, I have to choose um, who I, 
who I'm going to follow. Am I going to be about my father's business, like the king of kings and lord of lords, or am I going to be about the enemy's agenda? So whatever way he wants me to move forward in dealing with that, it, that's how I have to be open to doing it. And I want to yeah. add some real quick, Brian, to that. Like, And one of the things that, that we talked about, I don't know if we talked about it together, guys, but I know that Rachel and I talked about is the the, the phrase that everybody is either wearing on the shirt or they're saying out of their mouth. And the phrase, I can't breathe. And so I just, mm-hmm. I canceled that out in the name of Jesus. But still, even just that that phrase, I understand it. I get it. I get the reason. The And it goes back to what you said, Rachel. It goes back to what Rachel said as, as far as the cause. What C.S. Lewis said as far as the cause. It's a good cause. Uh, there's maybe good intentions behind it. But it's but, a different agenda. But it's a different agenda that we got that we have to recognize. And if you're not aligned with the spirit, then you may not, you may miss it. And you may start speaking those words out because one thing we know is that, that we all know on this call, on this, on the show that, um, that our words have power and that mm-hmm. what we speak out into the atmosphere, we, we can, we can bring forth. And so if we start speaking those words out, we wearing those words and we're and maybe doing it with good intentions, but we're still speaking out something that's speaking against ourselves. We have a five-year-old son who has severe allergies. Yes. And mm-hmm. one day he had gotten um, a hold of some ice cream. And when he walked out the store, his his lungs were closing on him. And the first thing he said is, I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And he, we literally had to respond to him not having breath in that moment. And it's that that will never, like me seeing God place the breath of life back in it into him within seconds after prayer, um, after calling a friend and having her pray and seeing like that he was, I mean, his, it, I think he was in the eighties. Like no, it, was, it went down to like seventies. Like, his was, oxygen level dropped. His oxygen low. levels dropped oh. so low. In so fact. when I heard that phrase, I thought about my son saying it and I would not, I would not say that because I know that that was when he said that it was as if like the, it, it that was the closest to losing my child I ever felt okay. like mm, wow. literally. And so mm. I can't, I can't within myself know the the connection that I've had with those words and feel comfortable speaking it in any matter of the sense, knowing that God brought, God gave life back to him. Like yes. God literally, mm. and God is the breath of life. He is so if life. I can't breathe, then how am I not, how am I aligning with the breath of life? So yes. it just, it seems counterfeit hmm. to who God is and what he says. And the reality is, Brian, I know that, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to let you jump back here. The reality is that, and even in, and you may be going here next, um, that like the, like as you said, the reversal of the tower of Babel, uh, when they had Pentecost, when, when everyone was in one accord, one mind. Hmm. So everybody is, is, is going like C.S. Lewis said for this cause, which is George Floyd and, and just bless his family. Um, but the cause I can't breathe that that's, that's what we're rallying around or that's what everyone is, is trying to get everyone to rally around. And the thing is, is that that's one mind unity. So what, what will come forth if the enemy can get us to move forward and speaking something like that, like speaking death uh, with one mind, then how many more people will be affected by that? And so that's the thing that we have to, when, when you say stuff like that, it's it's like, ah, oh, you think it too deep. Are you being too spiritual? Are you being over religious? No, it's not even about that. It's about this person was murdered. And I understand that. I get that part. But it's bigger than that. If we just look at it as a surface as that, then we're missing we're missing the hidden agendas that are that are kind of working behind the scenes that are trying to get us to come into agreement as one body mm-hmm. into agreement with something that we shouldn't be in agreement with. 
And it doesn't mean we can't we can't uh, love George Floyd's family and that we can't be hurt by what happened. We just don't have to come into agreement with that, though. Clearly in the Garden of Eden, God breathed into Adam life, the life principle, right? Life essence into Adam. And then interestingly, Jesus, right, before, right after, was it right after his uh, resurrection, before his ascension, he said, it says he breathed on his disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And really, I mean, there's some sense, I mean, again, not to, as you said, Willie, uh, could be accused of sounding like over-spiritual perhaps, but there's a real sense in which the enemy, our, our, our real enemy, the adversary, Satan, tries to suffocate our life. You know, right. and he tries yeah. to he tries to suffocate our voice and the way we can think and what we can say and how we can live and you have to take on this narrative and it, and it you know just suffocates us with it. He tries to, but but you're saying that we resist that with the life of Jesus and with a superior kingdom message. That's that's kind of what I'm hearing from you. Well, yeah. I I wanted to add something too to that, Brian. Um, because it made me think about that when you were talking about the the I can't breathe that you see on the on the shirt, um, on the opposite side of that. And, you know, in the white community, as far as the response to these kinds of things, I've seen this like hashtag, I've seen even shirts saying things like silence is violence. You know, I don't know if you've seen a lot of that Yeah, where, yeah. you know, there's almost like this added pressure that if you don't speak up, if you don't yep. say something, you know, you're, you're advocating for violence. Now you're somehow part of the problem and you've, you're just contributing to things cause you're too ignorant and you're not going to get involved. And so, there is another element of like pressure to, you know, like, why don't you care enough? You know, why don't you care enough? Why don't you care enough? And there's almost like this coercion that goes on to say, you've got to get in alignment with this or else, you know, you're going to miss the boat or something. And right. so, you know, that can get people kind of like, well, right. what, you know, what, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, I, I don't want to be seen as, and then, you know, there's the pressure of like, well, I don't want my peers to see me as not being active. You know, this is clearly a significant moment in our culture that has happened. Yeah. And, and you know, should, I want to And I would, I would say we should say something, but, but the issue is then going to be, what are we going to say? You know? Yeah, exactly. Do we have to parrot the same messaging that's being echoed, you know, out there in with political parties, with media, whatever, or do we have a higher message? You know, mm-hmm. and and I, I want to say too, I don't know that everyone has been called to say something right. verbally. I believe that we've all been called to invite heaven into that, and. All of our conversations don't have to be at the dinner table. Some of our conversations need to be with God and getting strategy and wisdom to give to the next influencer, to give to the next person who has a voice. So the pressure of you have to say something. Yeah, but I don't have to say it to you. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. have to feel that pressure. I I am taking it to the father and getting strategy. And if he calls me Hmm. to be the person, I literally have had people who have not said a word as I've become more vocal in what God is speaking to me concerning the kingdom of God in this situation. But they'll send me a message and they will let me know that I am championing you from the background. I am praying for you each time you say something. And when I say that I can feel those prayers going forth for me, when, you know, I may not, I may get a more aggressive response to something that I say. Um, That's what, that is their position. That is their role in that moment. And it is, uh, it's critical. It really is. Mm-hmm. And that that's, that takes, that uh, bears repeating so that everybody can hear that, is that sometimes your role is not necessarily being on the front line. Sometimes your role is not necessarily 
that you have to speak up on a radio show, that you have to speak up at the at the cough, at the water cooler at work, right. that you have to even answer the pressure of those that are calling you to say something. Um, but you may be called to hold up the arms uh, like Joshua, hold up the arms of Moses uh, just in the sense of so that he he has the strength to keep moving forward and do what he's doing. So who's that person that you may have been called to? If you haven't been called to speak, God may have an assignment for you just to pray for somebody else that who, who has been called to speak that may be a little nervous or that may, you know, mm-hmm. maybe running from it. Um, but he wants them to step forth and do it. And he's, 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 a, he's actually uh, positioning them and giving them the tools to do it. But you also called to actually help lay the ground down yeah, before them yeah. in prayer. Yeah. And so it's really good. It's always a good practice no, every day, no matter what's happening to God, let me talk to you first before I talk to other people, right? <laughs> I have found that when I don't do that, if I get on a run where I'm not doing that like I should, then right. I start saying things to other people that, man, don't come out too well. <laughs> so right. let me talk God with you first. And it's almost like I don't even want to, I love you, but I don't want to even hear from you too much, <laughs> you know, until I, you know, try to get this connection established today. And then, you know, it's going to be so much better later when we talk. But but Jesus said, hmm. I I, uh, I don't say anything on my own initiative, only what I hear my father saying, right? I don't do anything on my own initiative. But but the pressure of world or political correctness or, the you know, the cosmos, this world system, it tends to want to herd us into a, <laughs> a, 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 yeah. a, a, you know, a, a big, a big group think or a big mob that's chanting or saying something. And that may not necessarily be what what the father has for us. Right. That's why it's it's so important for us to not necessarily focus on um, on church as we as we know it, but to focus on our role as a believer in Jesus Christ and the way he's speaking to us during our quiet time. Because if if we're not doing that, then what we get is all these belief systems of everyone else, um, the pressure from the world. And we don't know what he's telling us to do to influence and impact within our sphere of influence. I mean, essentially. Uh, Rachel, the American church is very diverse. Would, would, do you think that the messaging from the world sometimes leaches in and gets kind of mixed in with some of the American church? Absolutely. Especially when your when your voice of influence is just the pastor and it's not God. And I have seen this mm-hmm. so much where I I'm I'm like giving the word of God to speak into a perspective that God has given me. And the rebuttal I get is something that they believe from the church or that they've t- seen the church do or that their pastor say. And I'm like, but I I'm not I'm not saying that that's not accurate, but what I I would like to know from the word of God, you know, because his word is the word that ultimately matters. And I, and I believe as just a church body, we need to lean into God's word, you know, more than anything else. And then as we go to church, we assemble together and we're all like-minded from the perspective of we're all spending time in his word. We're all spending time at his feet, getting the wisdom and the knowledge that he wants to give us. And then when we go into the church, we're not being transformed by the things outside of the church, but we're able to actually go in there and say, okay, this is what God has shown me. And there's confirmation going on from my, from my time at home. Mm. And, if, if that doesn't happen, then the confirmation of what we we think 
It's going to come from social media. It's going to come from mm-hmm. the news. It's going to come from all these other avenues. And then when we go into the church. We're like filtering that into the church right. as opposed to the word of God into the right. church. Okay. That's mm-hmm. some gold right there. You can turn the podcast off and walk away. And it's been worth <laughs> listening. That's, that's, that's Drop a, mic. That's, that's, yeah, really. That's, that's a great run right there. I really do appreciate this kingdom couple, Willie and Rachel Scott, and also this kingdom gent, uh, JCL Falto. Thanks for the roundtable dialogue today. This is going to continue in the next episode. Be looking for that. Episode 135 will have the second part of this dialogue. Admittedly, this is a a high level sort of uh, thinking and perception about what's happening with these events. We can obviously get more granular. There's more details that people can drill down into and and, uh, thinking about these things and dialoguing about these issues. We're just focusing right now on these uh, sort of these macro themes from a kingdom a kingdom perspective. Now, now, what's your point of view? Let us know. Drop a comment on the podcast app you're listening to, or go right to jesusmart.com and you can leave your comments on the show notes page for this episode. And also, you can get links and other resources. Let me give you the URL for that show notes page, jesusmart.com slash kingdom race, kingdom race for links, resources, and you can leave any comments there. To learn more about the podcast, of course, go to jesussmart.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Helps to push it out to more people. Now, here's the important thing. Can you share this with one, two, or three of your friends? There's a big dialogue going on about this in the country and even internationally right now. Share it with someone you think that would value this conversation today. When you go to JesusSmart.com, there's an opportunity to sign up for an e-letter, Next Level Elements to Develop as a Christ Follower, as an Apprentice of the Kingdom. It's a pursuit that we're all questing after. Remember, my friend, Jesus is brilliant. He knows how life works best. And we'll look forward to continuing this conversation in episode 135. See you then.